0: Wow, wow, welcome to the Crimson Circle. Now, if that music intro doesn't get your heart pounding, you just should probably go to the doctor. (laughs) That is just so inspiring and uplifting. So with that, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Crimson Circle Shoud, our monthly meeting. And we have people that are accessing this from all over the world. Villy is actually translating this real time in Spanish. And those of you, you can be listening via blog talk radio. Welcome to you. You could be listening from the crimsoncircle.com website. Welcome to you. And to those that are watching, actually watching the video, they're doing that also from the Crimson Circle website. Most of all, welcome to everyone, and welcome to this gorgeous, holiday-dressed-up, celebrating audience here live in our studio. Quick shot of the audience. Look, wait. Smile, actics. Come on. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) It's our Elfie, selfish, self-dress-up Christmas party, holiday party. So with that, I hope that you're ready for Adamus. And if you're not, we're going to just breathe for a moment here to make that space for each of us. So, with that, I invite each of us, Adamus invites each of us to take the good deep breath, to breathe into you, to breathe through the heart of you, to take. Well, that would be the sound of the coffee machine whooshing coffee. It's nobody actually breathing. If they are, somebody call the doctor. (sighs) But let's try to breathe anyways. More than just the breath, it, again, kind of hard to ignoring if you're sitting here in the live audience, but we'll go on. (sighs) <sighs> Take the good deep breath. It's a breath that it, we invite ourselves to open to feeling and allowing. Take the good deep breath and open to this presence and breathe the I am here. Adamas is here in support of all of us. He says that he is here literally for each of us every step of the way, with us, with each good deep breath. So I invite us to take the good deep breath and feel that beautiful commitment of Adamas as Jeff prepares to channel. I'm going to invite us to take the good deep breath and open our senses, all of them, human and divine, to breathe with feeling and allowing. And we're going to play music. And I invite you, as this music plays, to breathe the music, to hear it, to feel it. So take the good deep breath and welcome to this Crimson Circle event, this shout, as Jeffrey is awaiting Adamus. So breathe as you listen to the music. Breathe and feel. Breathe.
1: That I am, Adamus of sovereign domain. Let's do first things first. <laughs> the energy exchange. <laughs> a little coffee for a little channel. Thank,
0: thank you, my dear. Thank you for your service. Holy smoke, that's, cool. Totally that's cool. cool. That's nice and hot. Be careful. Thank it's you. A thank very you. Very very hot. Ah,
1: I can take it hot. Ah. <laughs> really? oh, so, Jamba to. Christmas time to the holidays. Ah. I, I still like to call it Christmas time. That may not be politically correct. I guess you're supposed to call it the holiday season. But uh, to me, it's the time of the year when we all remember why we came here hmm. to plant the Christ seed consciousness on earth. It's not really about the birth of Yeshua. Uh, which didn't take place in December at all. It was a Pisces. It is really uh, about that time to remember why we came here, the Christ Seed consciousness. We came here for a new hope, something unearthly, ultimately what would be the integration of humanity and divinity together. That's what Christmas time is all about. It's the time, as Caldera and Linda were saying earlier, it's the time of the year to just stop. Just take a deep breath and relax. Stop working so hard, struggling so hard. Uh, be, have fun. But with a face like that, how could you not have fun? Yes, uh, that face deserves a kiss. Mm. Yes. Priceless. So, uh, Christmas time, a beautiful time of the year. Things slow down a little bit. It's time to go inward. Oh, it's going to be the time pretty soon or the longest uh, night of the year. Uh, maybe you feel you're getting a little better sleep right now. Just, oh, it's a little darker outside, a little bit longer. It's that time of the year just to slow down. We have plenty to do for next year, plenty on the schedule. I look into your lives as I'm preparing for pronost. I'm, I'm looking into your lives of what's ahead, not not the little details, but the energy directions and the movements that are coming into your life. Oh, it's going to be a different year, mm-hmm. different than this last year. Uh, it's. Um, I'll wait to pronost to discuss it, but uh, it's going to be one of those hmm, interesting years, uh, mm-hmm. to say the least. One of the things I want you d- one of the things I would like you to just feel into for a moment before we get started is there's something particularly happening with so many of you and it's what I call the shifting of time the flexibility of time have you noticed that at times time goes very very fast When you think you have an hour or so uh, to do something, to get somewhere, it just goes by so quickly and and you wonder to yourself, were you even there? Were you present? Were you in your body? Were you maybe out in another dimension? No, not any more so than normal. But for those who are coming into their mastery, time loses its um, uh, rigidity. It loses its a very incremental way it's been. Some of you some of you always know what time it is, even without a watch. you're always within five, ten minutes of the time. even now that's slipping away. And you're wondering what is going on with this? A- and other times, everything seems so slow, so, very, very slow. And have you noticed that? Whether it's going too fast or too slow, it's always the most inconvenient in your life. (laughs) If you're in a hurry, it seems to go way too fast. If If you're bored, you don't have anything to do, it goes way too slow. That is one of the great indicators that something is happening at both a biological level and a mental level with you. You're shifting and changing. The body is very, very tied into time itself. Uh, the, the, the beat of the heart is tied into time. The, the movements of yourself during the day as the sun uh, rises and sets, you're very tied into that. The body is a time machine as well as a biology machine, and suddenly, with that changing, you're going to feel it in your body. Your body is going to wonder what's happening, what's going on. The mind is also tied into time. The mind likes to plan its days, and the mind likes to know what time it is. There's a huge difference energetically between eight in the morning and three in the afternoon. Just feel it for a moment. Eight in the morning has a totally different energy than three in the afternoon. They feel very, very different, because the mind is very tied into itself, what it thinks should be happening. The mind is tied into the body and the body's rhythms of time. Suddenly this all starts changing. Not for the worse. Not at all. Actually, your next step is finding that time becomes a friend rather than a foe. So much of your life has been about finding time, keeping in time, managing time. And it's actually really quite a – it's an energy stealer time can be, if you're locked into it mentally and physically. Suddenly you find time is a friend, time works for you, and suddenly you also start realizing there really is no time. There really actually is no such thing as time. You go out into the other realms, there's not a great big universal time clock ticking away. There actually is no time. It serves a bit of a purpose here on this planet, having time, and particularly with the rising and the setting of the sun and the movements of the planets, but suddenly you realize that you're not addicted to time anymore. You're off of that. It's a very strange feeling. It also gives you a feeling
2: hmm.
1: … It also gives you a feeling of A disorientation, as most of you have felt from time to time, not being locked into that anymore. You suddenly start realizing that this whole concept of a linear life, what I call local linear, of this progression of uh, hours, minutes, days, years, suddenly was a great big illusion. The whole concept of a past life is actually an illusion or a future life. A lot of you think, well, I wonder what if I was going to stay here on the planet, what a future life would be like. You want to find out? You take a deep breath and you feel into it. It's happening right now. It's strange for the mind to understand all that. The mind thinks, well, how can all of this be happening right now? Because the mind is very linear, very focused in time. It cannot really grasp the idea that a future life is being experienced right now. But as you release this whole concept of time, of clocks, of months and years ticking away, you come to the sudden beauty of realizing it's all happening right now. It's all happening. In a way, all of the past and future lives that are happening are independent of each other. They're all independent. They're not linked in such a way that you have to that you have to work towards your mastery one lifetime after the other, you can actually be a master in a past lifetime. That's occurring right now and not be a master in the future. That's the beauty of releasing time. To release it, you don't need to do anything other than just be aware that it's actually already happening. The only thing I would ask you is not to resist it. Not to, as you would say, freak out when suddenly time is different than what the mind wants it to be, to not get so um, constipated that you have to try to get back to time. You suddenly become timeless, and timelessness is also tremendous freedom. We'll get into more of that a little bit later today, but for right now let's take a deep breath as we transcend the need for time. Stop feeding on time itself and you become timeless. That's the best of all. So I understand <coughs> that my new book is finally out. We're about a year and a half late, <laughs> but there is no time <laughs> I give a little introduction about time simply uh, as a segue into the book. Uh, a little bit late, but always write on time, Memoirs of the Master. I say our book, even though my name is in really big type here and <laughs> I don't see your name. But it is truly our book. It is truly, truly our book. It is based on real situations, real stories with real chambre. You might recognize yourself in here in one of the stories or in every story that's told. We took the energies of Shaumbra, uh, maybe changed the name, changed a few of the situations. Sometimes you have to actually make it a little bit more interesting, not quite so dreadful uh, as (laughs) what you would call real life, which is not real life at all. It's dreadful life. Uh, But this book is our book. This contains more than any other book that we've done. This contains your energy right here. It's stories, short stories of the Master and the student, and as you read this, you first identify with the student, with your woes, with your struggles and challenges, with your lack of insights. But by the time you get to the end of the book, you'll identify more with the Master, the Master that's present in you right now maybe not revealed, maybe not uh, in clear consciousness, but the Master that is within you, you start to realize that this whole concept of searching for enlightenment, the concept of trying to achieve mastery, is also one of those lies. It's always, always, always been about just allowing it. You start seeing yourself as the master. You start recognizing, as you come to some of these final chapters, you say to yourself, "I've done that. I, 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 I am that master that is being talked about in here." You shift from being the student, the the bumbling, occasionally bumbling student, the um, the overly strung out, stressed out student, uh, the student that's trying so hard to become enlightened, you shift from there into realizing that the very Master that's being talked about here in the memoirs is really you. When that occurs, then you get a big smile on your face and you realize that it's been there all the way, all along. And you're actually not searching for the Master anymore, you're simply making room for the Master. Our book. And I hope there's more to come like this. I don't know how well it'll do out in uh, public, it doesn't really matter. This is more of a kind of an energy ceremony to these uh, past sixteen years together with Tobias, with me. It's an energy ceremony. It's celebrating our journey. It's putting it into stories that well, – read one before you go to bed at night. Read one when you get into one of those uh, student moments, uh, when you're in anxiety or confused or trouble. but our stories. So, my dear friends, I have to thank you for being part of this book. Again, my name's on the front cover. but. They couldn't fit all of them on there. The publisher insisted. I said, no, please. I don't want my name on there, but the publisher insisted. Tell some stories now and then, okay? Speaking of stories, speaking of stories, we have an opportunity here today. I could lecture. I prepared two versions of Today's Shout. I could lecture or I could tell stories. Uh, Linda, microphone please to the audience.
0: Oh, my pleasure. If I can find
1: it, here we go. We have uh, a choice. Uh, what would you rather hear, uh, stories or a lecture? Linda, please uh, microphone to anybody who looks ready. I would like to, would like to have stories, please. Stories! Okay, yes. good. That's one for stories. Uh, next, uh, stories or correctly. a lecture? I my lecture prepared. I don't have any stories prepared, but I'll make them up as we go.
2: Yeah. Make up some good ones.
1: Make up some good ones. Uh, yeah. Like about what?
2: About my
0: life.
1: <laughs> We'd have to really embellish some things to uh, … Oh,
0: yeah. Big, big time.
1: Yeah. Big time. Okay. So we got two stories. Uh, more. A lecture. Uh, it's a fascinating lecture. Uh, physics.
2: Well, why don't we do both?
1: Why don't we do both? So good. Good. He's never stuck in one. I could do stories that are very luxury.
0: Oh! <laughs>
1: Lecture or story? I think I'd like stories. Stories, okay, a couple more. I see the oh, direction this is headed into. Oh, we have our light body uh, people back here. Or in there. Go oh, ahead, the, the three of you in your light figure bodies. I what
0: that was, now I got it. Uh, okay. First, the uh, three in the light stories. bodies,
1: would you please stand up?
0: Wait, wait, there's an answer here. No, hang
1: on, hang on. Uh, go ahead, stand up, light bodies. We want everybody to see. Yeah, see, this is what happens when you allow. <laughs> Good, thank you. I appreciate O-M-G. it. OMG. Um, story or lecture? Stories. Stories, stories. Boy, let's try this side of the room, Linda. I think this side is biased here towards stories. Well,
0: you know, you got to work your way. Stories you gotta your or way. lectures? you got to work your way, okay? Both. Both, oh. okay.
1: That's going to be a really boring story. Stories <laughs> <another long> <laughs> <laughs> or lectures? Sir? Uh, uh, I think, sir? Yeah. What yeah is a, somehow. Would you mind, sta- little would you mind standing up so we yeah, could? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Nice <laughs> outfit. Good, good. Yeah. So yeah. I think let's let's make up a good story. Good story. Okay. Two more. I, I think uh, stories are going to win today. Stories with a little well, bit of lecture overtones. But uh, there's somebody
0: that's not going to be here every month anymore, and so I, I'm going to ask oh, their no. opinion.
1: Oh no. We're going to miss them. Oh. Both. Both. Both stories and. Lectures. Okay, and one last one. One last. I think ooh, I think ooh, the sorry, vote sorry. is almost. <laughs> Your in. shoes
0: are bigger than my shoes. <laughs> we stepped on each other's big feet. Let's see. Oh, here. Let's try here.
1: Ah, you've come a long way to be here. Stories or lectures?
0: Stories.
2: Stories.
1: Oh. Everybody wants a story. Duh, don't don't come back up here yet. <laughs> Next question. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Why do humans like stories? Why do you like stories? Why do you like stories? You had the opportunity. I could be up here lecturing. We could get the writing board out. Uh, we could uh, uh, go lead? into the physics, this physics of life itself. This construction, dress
0: yes. one day, now he's in a tuxedo. Yes. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, hey, I can do it all. Do it all. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, uh, what, what is it about stories that's so compelling? Stories take people out of the reality of where they're at. Good. And 18. put them into their story. Good. Ooh. Their history. His story. His story. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Okay. So tell me a story. No, oh, we'll have a couple. I have to think quick. I prepared a lecture. I thought you were a lecturing audience, but where, where, I didn't realize you want stories. You want little more? fairy tale stories. You want dirty adult stories? You want? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't no. matter. To, doesn't matter to me. Uh, A few more. Uh, What is it that you like about stories?
0: Well,
2: they come from the heart.
1: They come from the heart. Okay. More than lectures. Not the ones I'm going to tell today. Okay. (laughs) But yes, they do. They come from the heart.
2: Let's. What
1: else? Why do humans like stories, David? It uh, takes us out of the mind and into our imagination and feelings. Yes, oh. yes absolutely.
0: Good. Very Two good. more. Two more. Okay. Two Let's more try. humans
1: and their stories.
0: I always like your answers. Escape. Escape. Good. Oh good. Hopefully we
1: can have a little escape today. Escaping. Oh a from...
0: volunteer, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna regret this. <laughs> I, I will regret it. But they give us insights into who we are.
1: Give us mm-hmm. insights. You're told in a little bit different way. It becomes personalized, gives some insights. Excellent, excellent. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, the next question I have to ask is um, well, what's your story? Oh. In about 20 words or less. <laughs> <we>? 20 words <laughs>
0: well, or Well, okay, I'll
1: give or take a few words. What's your story as you're sitting here today? Well, what's your story? Go ahead. What's your story?
2: <laughs> I, uh, was uh, just, uh. I was just thinking about it as you were um, … it's been a fun ride and it's not over yet.
1: Yeah. Good. Good. You want more fun ride or okay. you want it over yet? No, no, no. Okay. I, w-
2: I want a lot more fun okay, ride. Okay. Good. W- I'm ready for like the next …
1: Leslie's week. story, it's been a fun ride and it's not over yet. Good. I like that.
0: Okay. I'm going to go risk A couple here. more. Hello, dear. <laughs> Hello,: um, What's your story? I, I'm happy that I found the Crimson Circle in 1999, and I've been studying and learning from you and Tobias and Katumi, and I love it dearly, and I think you're all magnificent, and that's that.
1: Good. So your story is the Crimson Circle. Yes, and Edith, you know, you're quite the rock star all over the world. Did you ever expect <laughs> that to be in the story, Edith? who finds Crimson Circle in the moment of desperation, just when life seems the bleakest, when there's no hope left for tomorrow. <laughs> Suddenly, the name Tobias comes into her mind. Tobias, Tobias, she asks all who are around her, What do you know about this Tobias? I keep hearing this name Tobias in my head, and finally somebody says, "Edith, it! Go look on the internet. Oh. She types on the internet, Tobias in the Crimson Circle. What kind of strange cult is this? What am I getting myself into? What are they going to do? Will they have human sacrifices or perhaps half-human, half-animal sacrifices at these gatherings? But one day she decides to show up. She disguises herself as a handsome, well-dressed man and shows shows up at the meeting, sits down and suddenly bursts into tears. I'm home, she says. I'm home. I'm surrounded by people just like me. Well, not totally like me, but I'm surrounded by people (laughs) who I love and who love me back. I'm home in the Crimson Circle. And then she realizes that she's known all of those who are here, all of those who are watching and online. She's known them for eons of time. They have an old agreement to come back to Earth at the right time, and the right place, with the right group of people. For something that's never been done ever, ever in all of creation. It's called embodied enlightenment. Not even the Ascended Masters who are hanging around at the Ascended Masters Club were able to stay for a long who period story of time. Is
0: this? <laughs> oh.
1: Edith says, This is it, I'm home, the Crimson Circle. But little did she know that within just a few short years, the name Edith. Would be spoken from the mouths of Chambra all over the planet. Edith, I love you, Edith. Never did she realize that Edith would become. (laughs) (laughs) Never did she realize that Edith would be a hit on Facebook, that Edith would be not just a name, not just a person, but a place at the Crimson Circle, the chair of Edith. <laughs> now, see, Edith, that's how you tell a story. Uh, and it's a true story. It's exa- there w- that is a true story, but my point for today is you're in a story. You are a story. You're actually many, many stories. Why trump on that story? Why make a, oh, well, I'm just sitting here. I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing here. and I'm. <laughs> You're in a story. Could you really bring it to light? I use stories to – that's it for now, Linda – thank you. I use stories to tell a story. I use stories, to, uh, as in the book, uh, to share wisdom, to keep it interesting, to keep it from getting so boring. Have you ever ever been in one of these? processing sessions with other people, like a spiritual processing session. Dreary they are. Dreary. And I know some of you are going, Oh, but I do that for a living. Well, change your living. (laughs) They're dreary, because people can't laugh don't laugh at their own stories. They take themselves so damn serious. And when you realize it's all a story, uh, we take the Edith story, for instance, and we put a little light to it. We sprinkle on a little bit of sugar, a little bit of salt, and a little bit of vinegar to make it interesting, because there is sugar and salt in vinegar in her life. We embellish it, not not lying about it, but embellishing it because, as I've said so often, dear friends, that. You get caught in these um, concepts of yourself, and then you believe they're true. You have experiences that have happened in your earlier years of your life, and you think that's what happens, and then you're suddenly in a rut. It's dreary, li- like these processing counseling sessions or everybody sits around talking about their dreary lives. My God, I wish somebody would stand up and say, i got a story. I got a great story. Here I was, a lost angel. Here I was on this planet Earth in this physical body, which I detest to the day I can't stand this body. Here I was, so traumatized by the energies of people all around me, so vicious, so vile, so threatening they would steal not only your blood and your money, but your very soul, if they could. What did I do? I resorted to drowning myself in drink. I became an alcoholic. Yes, I was abusive to my family. I lost my job and I lost all my money. But you know, someone has to dive into the deepest, darkest despair. Somebody has to see how deep and low the abyss is, and that's what I did with my Jack Daniels.
0: Are you describing me?
1: You know, that's a difference between, well, you know, I'm, I'm an alcoholic.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: I don't have a life. I come to these meetings, I drink coffee, and uh, I'm really bored to shit
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Your life is a story, mm. and this is just a representation. You're in here. Your energy, your your experiences. Your life is a story. Make it interesting. Uh, you know, you say, well, I don't know if I can if I can get up on stage and do what you're doing there, Adamus. I don't know if I have it in me to tell my story. You do. You just take a deep breath, and you just flow with it. You get out of your mind, and you just have some fun with it. Mm. I was in the deepest, darkest of all hell—a hell that no other human had ever gone that deep. But I emerged from that. I learned from this that I couldn't just be in my light. I learned that I just couldn't be the good girl or the good boy. It was driving me mad. So what did I do? I dove as deep as I could. I rode that alcohol train all the way to the bottom, (laughs) and what I learned is that I am both light and dark. Mm. I have learned that to be real, one cannot just try to be the good self, the clean self. To be real, one needs to dive as deep as they can go into all their problems, not running from their problems, not hiding from those voices in your mind, but to immerse as deep as you can. And do every part of yourself. <laughs> That's a story. Whoa. That's a story. So, a few more. What's your story? Try to follow that. <laughs> Microphone. What's your story? I, I, I did. Pep it up a little bit. Put a sprinkle, a little pepper on there, a little Tabasco sauce. What's your story? Oh, everybody's moaning right now. Linda, please don't give me the microphone. What's your story, dear?
0: My story is I grew up, had a wonderful childhood, then I got married and he left me, and then I met my wonderful friend and lover, and we have traveled all over the world, and life has been great.
1: Wow! That's a good story <laughs> from from despair and Poverty. Uh, no, we started out with a good childhood. Yes. From loving parents, caring parents, <laughs> nurturing, but not this soul. I'm not going to live life like that. I'm not just going to have the easy part, the good part. So the moment I'm free, I'm going to marry a despicable human, a dark human who treats me the way I've never been treated before, who abuses me energetically and mentally and in every other way to finally discover the true love of my life, which is not the one sitting next to me, but, but the one that I am. And this way I can share it with the one sitting next to me. Next story is going to be you – want, you want your story, sir? Me? Yeah, why not?
2: I'm still writing my story. You're
1: still writing your story. Ooh.
2: But it, it's, it is just fantastic. We don't know where it's going to end or where it's going to go, but. Oh, you don't? No.
1: You don't. Could I I help? I'm still going on the train. And an intelligent man, a handsome man with an amazing career going through life, but all the time asking, why am I here? What's the meaning to all this? What's the. Thank you. Sound effects, I thought he was. An amazing journey in the human, having nearly everything you wanted, knowing that, knowing that your intelligence was such a key, but your charm as well, and then meeting an old, an old, beautiful, dear, dear friend, meeting her and bringing your life to a whole new level, bringing it's your life to an amazing level of love.
2: It's the Acme.
1: Yes, the acme, the acme, the pinnacle, yes, but, but there's always the little bit of drama. Some health issues show up. What is this with the body? Here I am, getting everything in life that I could possibly imagine from the beauty of my partner, sharing her life, sharing with her soul everything in life, but suddenly health issues damn the body. Damn this physical body, so vulnerable, so susceptible to disease, to weakness, to age. Damn the body, otherwise my life would be perfect. Why have you forsaken me, biology? What is this about?" (laughs) Then the struggles, the struggles with the body, which lead to the struggles with the mind. What have I done wrong? Why is my body like that? why can't I control it?" And all this time a whisper, a whisper, stop trying. Stop trying. Stop trying to think your way into health. Simply allow. Simply allow. And it took a long time to get that message through because there was so much fear, there was anger, there was frustration and remorse, but finally, finally saying, That body isn't mine. That body isn't mine. My real body, my light body which will integrate with my biology, that's mine, and that's that's the big step in life, letting that light body in, letting go of the fear of death, which is one of the greatest lies ever sold to humans on this planet, letting go of all of that, and finally coming to a place of real integration, deep, deep integration of the tissues, of the cells, of the DNA of the body, to the point where no longer the separation of the body, no longer a mistrust of the body, no longer the regrets of the abuse of the body in your earlier years, but suddenly the love and the acceptance of the entire body of consciousness. That's your story. My friend, that's your story. If there's any point I can get across today with the coming out of the book, is every life is a story. (laughs) Every life is a beautiful story, and so often you get caught in the details. You get caught in the, the dullness of the story. You get caught in the drama and the negativity, you get caught in trying to get out of your story, punch your way out. Or you think you're just going to change the story by thinking it different and that doesn't happen. Take a deep breath right now and be your story. And understand that it's so much more than you would realize, so much more than kind of what you would write down on a peep- piece of paper. My story. I was born. I went to school. Uh, I got married, uh, had a job and I died. That's, that's boring. That's kind of like a lecture, but the story I, … I would encourage all of you to stand in front of a mirror, stand on your balcony, go out into the woods or whatever and do your story, like I did, with a little bit of theatrics. Theatrics are so good because it's all just a story. You're not locked into it. It's all – they're all stories. I I love theater. I love the arts, because you break free. You're no longer in that dreary, gray, dull place of, I'm just trying to get through life. (laughs) I'm just trying to make it. … I'm looking for some answers. Uh, The answers are here, and it's in the beauty of your story. Your past and future lives. Yes, you're going to have future lives. I'll tell you that right now. You're like, oh crap. I, I don't have to be a psychic to to hear you. Suddenly there was like all over the world was a resounding, oh crap. I thought. I'll tell you why you're going to have future lives. Because Well, first of all, there is no time, so they're already happening. Secondly, you're going to be sitting at the Ascended Masters Club, talking with the other Ascended Masters, and you're going to be having other lifetimes. You're going to be realized and you're going to be living once again. Maybe not here, probably not here on this planet. Somewhere else, perhaps a new creation somewhere, perhaps a new Earth. There are many, many new Earths. Maybe it'll be there to do the things that you've always wanted to do, but felt so restricted by mass consciousness, so restricted by yourself and your past. But you're going to have lifetimes, and maybe not in a physical body. And maybe we won't even call them lifetimes, they're simply expressions. The soul, the spirit loves expression. Talk about the four E's. One of the E's is expression. The soul, in its love for itself, the, the constant spiritual orgasm that it's having. Got a few snickers there. Uh, a constant orgasm of the soul falling in love with itself over and over it can't help but express itself creativ- creatively, going out into past and future lives. An amazing thing is going to happen, an amazing thing uh, – I'm, I'm taking pictures. <laughs> oh, Dave's taking pictures, Crash is taking pictures, but I'm taking energy pictures. As you get out of the rut of your story and you have fun with your story now, you liberate yourself enough to have fun with your story. As you allow enlightenment into your lifetime right now, it changes every lifetime. You're not doing it for just this lifetime. It changes every lifetime, past and future. There are past lifetimes, past stories that are so stuck right now, that are just – you know that's going on right now? is They're repeating their stories. It's kind of like a sci-fi movie, science fiction. They're just repeating their stories over and over. Uh Calder's telling me there's some new um, television series uh, about this kind of um, Westworld. Uh, and in the constant repetition of the story, that's actually true, because your past lives, even though they're dead, are still cycling through their story time and time and time again. Future lives, same way. They get stuck in these cycles when they keep a repetitive pattern. You can feel it to a degree. You can f- you, it's, it's in you. You feel it. And it has an effect on this lifetime, because then in this lifetime you start doing the same thing, repeating those patterns – patterns of uh, abuse, patterns of lost hope, patterns of trying to find the answers you got all these kind of wheels spinning from the past and the future. They're all locked in their story. The one thing unique about this story right here, this lifetime, is that you're here to unlock those, to free them. It takes a lot of courage to do that. It takes a lot of courage because you step out of old patterns. You defy the patterns of the mind, the patterns of mass consciousness. but when you do when you change this story you change all the rest of the stories every past life that is going it's just repeating it cycles same players the same everything over and over and over it doesn't end upon death the stories keep just repeating but when there is one story that rises above the rest one you that says no more, one that says, I'm ready, I don't care about anybody or anything else. Pretty big statement. I just don't care, because I'm so tired of living this story. I want you to feel it for a moment. You've lived this story of this lifetime many, many times. This is not the first. You're repeating this story. We go outside the confines of time and space and the things the way most people think they are. I start to realize, I've been here before. I've done this before. I've been here before. That's why it's god-awful boring at times, but that part of you A part of you says, no more. We're going to break out. No more. Now, everything in that story that's been happening time and time and time again, and everything in all the other stories yells out and says, you can't leave. This is your story. You've got to fix the story. You've got to be better. You've got to be holier. You've got to do a better job before you can leave. Well, a big part of you is believe that. Jump right back into the old, repetitive, boring story and try to fix your way out. You can't. You're just in that same old story, day after day, lifetime after lifetime, until you say no more. I'm done with this, which all of you have done. And then everything starts changing. Stuff. Storylines. Storylines that were etched in stone, almost. Storylines start to change. They start to dissolve. Time goes away. Your friend and family goes away. All the concepts about spiritual New Age go away. Everything that you thought you held dearly starts to go away. Then you realize that it's just a story. And you realize that you can make it anything you want, and you also start to realize that in changing this story, it changes the story of every other lifetime that are actually all happening right now. It all changes. That is enlightenment. That is true enlightenment. Thank you. One golf applaud. <laughs> That's what we're doing here. That's what, we're, that's what we're doing, and that's why it's difficult at times, and that's why uh, I come in to be the distractor, to distract you over here so you can let it come in without, without all the thinking. Uh, just allow it to happen. So I hope you don't mind me distracting over here with a few stories and a few insights now and then. So you want stories today. You want stories today. Okay, let's do a story. What shall we do the story about? I have a little coffee. Uh, anybody else coffee? Um, well, mm. that's, okay. that's okay. Let's turn down the house lights Thank you. and turn down the heat. Yes, it's burning up in here. All these stories being released, just burning up. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm going to walk around a little bit on the stage, so uh, you want to turn the stage lights up. Let's take a good deep breath and begin our story. I can't tell you enough. Just have fun with with stories, telling stories about yourself and have fun with it. Some of you, oh, I'd love to get you in one of my theatre classes. Uh, I would love to loosen you up a little bit. So the Master. The Master told Roger to meet him (laughs) Calder is like, how are you doing this? Adamus, I mean, you don't even know the story. Hell no. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> but every story needs a starting point. And it doesn't have to start in the beginning, actually. You can start somewhere in the middle. But the important thing with the story, including yours, just get it going. Just get it going. So the Master told Roger to meet him in the parking lot at 11 o'clock sharp on Saturday morning. The Master did this from time to time with the students, would take them out, uh, personal, one-on-one, outside of the classroom, outside of the, all the other people. So the Master would, every once in a while, take the student out and talk to him about some of the things going on in their lives. So the Master said, Roger, meet me at 11. I'm the red sports car in the parking lot. I don't drive a Honda. <laughs> Sorry. So. Roger was pretty excited. He knew it would be tough. He knew the Master would have some words with him. He knew the Master would look deep into his heart, but he was ready for it. He knew it it was time. He was struggling, Roger was, struggling with uh, the whole concept of knowingness. You know, he knew the words. He understood the concept of knowingness, but damned he was having a hard time practicing it in his life. He was really struggling with um, what is knowingness, and how do I understand the difference between knowingness and everything else, and how do I, how do I follow something like knowingness if I really don't know what it is. So Roger was particularly excited about getting together with the Master. He showed up at about 5 to 11. The Master was already there. The sports car was already purring. The Master said, Roger, get in, close the door, and he said, By the way, Roger, no, you're not going to drive my sports car. He could just feel it coming from Roger. Roger just wanted to get in and try it for himself, try that beautiful sports car. It had to be worth a fortune. Actually, Roger didn't even have a car. He walked everywhere. He took the bus sometimes, but he didn't even have a car. Poor Roger. That's why Roger had to go to this uh, spiritual school. (laughs) Learn how to bring abundance in his life and stop taking the bus. <laughs> Roger got in, closed the door and Arr! Master took off, wheels spinning going down the road. And they drove in silence for a little while. The Master was having fun at the wheel. He loved driving fast. Never got a speeding ticket. Never got a speeding ticket. Loved driving fast, the thrill of the, the, the wind, the, the, almost that Fear of getting caught, but never really getting caught. Uh, It was exhilarating to the master. You know, he spent a lot of time with the uh, students in the classroom. Excuse me for the boredom. (laughs) He spent a lot of time with the students in the classroom, and sometimes it got very tedious. He needed to get out to have breaks like this. Hello.
0: What?
1: So they Uh, raced
0: off. So there's this thing. Wait, wait.
1: Would you talk about Linda. Oh Linda. Linda. Would somebody please let Linda know her microphone is on.
2: <laughs>
1: oh poor Elf. Oh. Oh, she looks so sad. <laughs> oh, poor Elf. Why? Why you're elfing? How about some more? Another coffee, but warm. This has gotten cold with all my oh, the chilly air. <laughs> with the chilly air in here, thank you, my dear. So uh, where were we? Uh, riding down the street in the sports car. Your microphones on.
0: What do you riding. Want? Oh, it was. Oh yes. crap. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh crap. I heard
1: what you said about Cauldron.
0: I didn't say anything about him. But our tent's blowing away. Yeah.
1: Let it blow away. So, riding down the street in the sports car, Roger was wondering when the Master would start talking, when they would uh, open up the conversation about Roger's issues. But instead, quite to the surprise of Roger, the Master suddenly was heading off towards the football stadium. With all the other traffic, the Master was weaving in and out. People were honking their horns and flipping the Master off, and he was smiling. And Roger wondered to himself, why why are we going to the football stadium? The Master could feel it coming from Roger and said, Roger, because it's Saturday and there is a college football game. That's why we're going to the stadium. Roger kind of scratched his head and said, I thought I was going to have this opportunity to talk to the Master and to have some discussions. I thought maybe we were going to go to the lake. I know the Master likes fishing, but we're going to a football game. What is this all about? Roger thought, I don't even like football, to which the Master could feel his thoughts and said, I love football. (laughs) I love football because it's duality. It's, it's absolute duality. You get to cheer and yell and scream. It's not always about being nice and doing the right thing and being holy and sacred and everything else. We get to go in there. We are going to eat nasty food. We're going to drink beer. We're going to cuss. We're going to swear at the coach. We're going to cheer for our team. We're going to live, Roger. We're going to live. The Master found a parking spot right up front. He didn't have to think about it in advance like some of you do, you know, thinking, I've got to find a parking spot up front. I'm going to send my energy … Shut up! (laughs) The parking spot is already there. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to put white light around it. You don't have to send (laughs) advance energy. You assume the parking spot is there and that's it, and it's there. You don't have to do any seances for parking spots. I see. Some of you doing these weird commotions and gyrations. Shut up, the parking spot is there. So the master knew that they parked right up front. They walked into the stadium. Master looked at the tickets. Actually he had two sets of tickets. He had tickets to a skybox seat that somebody had given to him. He didn't know who. You know, these things just show up in your pockets, you know, and you never ask where they came from. You just roll on. And then he had another set of tickets. They were on the 45-yard line, about row 20. Okay seats. Okay. And the Master thought, which one? The Skybox or sitting over on the 45-yard line? He looked at Roger, 45-yard line. <laughs> on their way in, they got two 20-ounce beers, both for the Master and some nachos and hot dogs, and, and Roger pulled out his granola bar and uh, <laughs> refused any of the food or drink from the stadium. The Master didn't care because the Master knew he could eat or drink anything. All of these weird fears about food and drink and what's bad for you, the Master had transcended that a long time ago. Now he was actually able to enjoy life. He was able to eat whatever he wanted and drink whatever he wanted. and pretty much do whatever he wanted. He wasn't bound by any of these old rules, these old uh, how to get to enlightenment rules, because he'd realized a long time ago, just be himself. So they went, sat down in the seats, and almost right away the game started. Oh, thank you. Only a Master can be in service. Thank you, and you are such a Master. trying to play a trick on Adamus, like superheating that cup. (laughs) So they they sat down and almost right away the opening kickoff and the roar of the crowd as the Masters team received the ball and the runner started running. The roar of the crowd. This is where you come in. Yay! Yeah. Good. (laughs) The game was on. The game was on and after a few minutes the Master, after taking a drink of his beer or hot coffee. The Master looked over at Roger and said, So, Roger, what's the problem? Roger was stressed, dumbfounded and, Why am I sitting here at the football game talking to the Master about this, this issue? I wanted some private quiet time. The Master said, Roger, now or never? Now or never? What's going on? And Roger said, Well, you know, I've been studying hard, I've been a, in your school for six years now, I've spent a lot of money yeah, – yeah, they always say that spent a lot of money and and I just I, I, I don't feel I'm really getting anywhere. Uh, it's like I don't understand – I get these voices in my head all the time, but I, they just They're either not right or they don't make sense. I I just, I'm driving myself crazy with all this. And at that point, the Master's team scored a touchdown and the crowd went wild. (laughs) (laughs) And Master said to Roger, Well, Roger, tell me a little bit more about uh, what's happening here. Roger said, Well, you know, Master, you talk about knowingness, knowingness, and it sounds so easy and it sounds like you should just like kind of know things and the master nodded his head took a drink of beer ate a nacho and said well yeah you just no said but but master i i'm i'm trying to figure out the knowingness and it gets so confusing and i'm i'm hearing all of these um voices in my head and uh, sometimes I think it's you that's in my head, and sometimes I think it's uh, some other archangel in my head, and sometimes I think it's actually a demon in my head, and sometimes it's my mother in my head, and <laughs> sometimes, you know, it's an old teacher. And it gets so confusing, because I'm hearing all of these voices in my head all the time. Is that knowingness, Master? Is that the knowingness? The Master? pause for a moment because his team just recovered a fumble from the other team and the crowd went crazy. <laughs> and it was a very noisy crowd that day, talking and yelling and screaming <laughs> <laughs> Noise all around. It was people drinking and eating nachos <coughs> and all that noise. But in spite of that, the Master kept on talking to Roger and said, "Roger." That's not knowingness. That's not knowingness. those are those are old tapes in your head. Those are recordings, energy recordings uh, in your head that are reinforcing your story, keeping you playing into that same story over and over. And they have you so confused. they have you, so confused about what you should be doing, and you listen you, – you, Roger, I hear you talking once in a while still about spirit guides. There are no spirit guides for those who are here on the path. Roger, you know, the knowingness is not like any of those voices that you're hearing, nothing at all. And at this point, now having just recovered the fumble and made a few plays, the Masters team made another touchdown. The crowd went crazy And by the way, this is going to go on all day long. The Masters team just wipes them out totally, so And they discussed it for a while. Master asked Roger more questions about what he feels, not just what he hears on his head, but what he feels. and. They talked about it for a long, long time, and finally the Master said, Roger, here's the thing. You have knowingness. It's there. I can feel it. Everybody actually has knowingness, but yours is really pretty good. But you let it get all distorted and lost in all of the noise that's in your head, all of the junk and all of the activities that's in your head. That's why I brought you to this football game, to have this discussion, because all of these muggles, cheering and yelling and screaming they're like the voices in your head, and they distract you, and they make it so difficult to find, to really hear that voice of the inner knowingness. And that's why I brought you here, because well, life is in a way like this, not always as intense as the football game, but life is like this with duality, mass consciousness. There's always that commotion and the distraction and the duality and the yelling and cheering, but also the crying. You see the team over there, the <laughs> they're crying right now. The crying and the despair. Yeah, a little crying. <laughs> That's why I brought you to the game, Roger, because I wanted to, wanted you to see what it's what's really happening inside your head. And Roger thought about it for a moment and thought, indeed, this is actually a really good setup. It's helping me to understand all these voices, all the games that are going on inside my head. Roger thought about it for a little while and, and finally said, "Well, but Master, didn't you say that I'm actually?" Pretty good at my knowingness, that I have a lot of knowingness. The master said, Yeah, actually, you do. You're actually pretty natural with it. Roger said, But if I have it, why can't I find it? If I have it, why am I not using it? And with this, the master smiled. He knew the conversation was going to come to this. He said, Roger, there's just one thing. What you do with your knowingness, with that inner, it's not even a voice, Roger, it's a a knowingness, a feeling. It's It's a feeling. But what you do with it is you try to humanize it. Roger, you try to put it into a human voice and it's not. You try to put it into mental thoughts and it's not. You've got this knowingness within you that's always there, but you're not listening to it unless it sounds like another spirit guide, another archangel, another mother, another teacher, another another human. That's the issue. You try to humanize it. The Master said, I understand why. I understand why. you. Everybody tries to humanize everything. They try to make it fit into a nice little neat box, they want to hear voices, you're not going to hear voices with your knowingness. You're not going to hear voices with true inner feelings, and that's a good thing. You don't want to humanize something that is that precious, that is that pure. You don't want to put it into a voice. You don't want to bring it to that level. It's that inner knowingness that goes sans definition, that doesn't need human structure. It doesn't have to sound like a teacher lecturing in your head or an angel telling you what to do. All those voices, by the way, are and were yours. There weren't spirit guides. There weren't angels. Angels don't talk in human words. It's all about feeling. It's all about sensuality. Those were all your old story voices playing over and over in your head. So Roger, the moment you stop trying to humanize the knowingness, the I Am, and you allow yourself to open to real feeling, real awareness, that's when it will spring forth. That's when it will open up. Roger felt into this for a moment, and even though he was in the football stadium, even though there was all the cheering and yelling and crying going on, Roger felt into it for a moment. And in that safe space, oddly safe space, in the midst of mass consciousness, now on the ten-yard line about to score another touchdown. In spite of all this, Roger finally got it. Stop trying to turn the knowingness into something human. Just allow it. The Master knew this would be tough for Roger or anybody else, because there's always such a desire and attempt to hear the words or see the pictures or anything else, but when one can be in their knowingness and not define it not have to know how the knowingness got there or even where it will lead them. If they're in such a pure state of consciousness, this knowingness will lead them, will show them who they really are. This knowingness will be their enlightenment. And with that, the Master said, I've had 40 ounces of beer. I'm going to go take a whiz. Can I get you anything (laughs) while I'm down there? And so ends the story of (laughs) the master and Roger. It's a story, and it's partly weird. Yeah, it's partly weird, partly true, partly true. Uh, But you're in the midst of all this noise, whether you're at a football game, whether you're shopping, even when you're at home alone, there's a lot of noise. There's energy noise from lights and from uh, what do you call radio frequencies, and there's noise all around. Uh, There's noise coming from your computer even when it's turned off. I mean, unplugged turned off, there's noise coming out of that because it collects energy (laughs) from this thing you call the internet and it spews that noise all the time. You're not really going to be able to run from it or escape from it, nor should you have to. Uh, Yes, it's much easier to tap into your knowingness if you're taking a walk through the forest on a lovely autumn day. Much easier, but you can do it anywhere. Don't expect words, please do not expect words. The knowingness, the I Am uh, within doesn't speak in words, never will, uh, never wants to. All those voices in your head, uh, for those of you who are attributing the voices to guides and angels and uh, past lives and future lives and all that other stuff, they're yours. There are parts of the story, there are characters in your story. They're yours. Uh, they're fine, but do not give in to them. Do not put them on a pedestal. Do not think that they are a higher power. They're just characters in your story. That's all. The real knowingness comes with such a sense of well, knowingness, it comes with such a sense of ease. It is effortless, it is without struggle, and it comes without doubt. It's just there. It's just there. You cannot make it come forward. You cannot bring more or less into your life, because it's always there. It's a matter of stop trying to humanize. Stop trying to put a voice or a face or directive or words to something that is just the voice, the the essence of the I Am. So let's take a deep breath with our new story. Maybe we're on the way to a new book, huh? <laughs> take a good deep breath. Now for the next story. Uh, this is a story day, right? Or do you want a lecture now? You want another story? Okay. This one's going to be a little different. House lights up, please. This is. Um, hmm. ah, whew. Uh, I don't know what they put in there, but uh, tastes like rum to me. <laughs> Okay, uh, here's the next story. This is an interactive story. The last one was kind of a nice sleepy story and you had to sit back and listen. This time I have no idea where this story is going to go and it doesn't matter. It's interactive. Okay? You ready for that? Linda's going to be ready on the microphone because this is an interactive story. Every story should be interactive, you know. Yeah, every story. Your life story is not interactive, really. I mean, there's pretty much um, what you call one character and there's not a lot of interaction with all the other potential aspects. So as we do this story, I want you to realize that it's time to make your story interactive. Have fun with it. I have no idea what the storyline is here other than the opening. Always get the opening. Have a starting place, get the pendulum moving in a direction, have an opening and then Watch where it goes, as we're going to do in the next story called The Master and the Classroom. So, excuse me. The Master and the Classroom. I'm going to play the role of the Master, of course. (laughs) Was there any doubt? Anybody else want to play the role? Thank you, then I'll do it. (laughs) The Master walked into the classroom, but this day he was more deliberate than ever. Usually the Master walked in almost like he was floating on air, but today he was very deliberate in his movements. The Master looked over all the students gathered in the classroom. The Master thought, today we're going to get down to business. Today we're going to go beyond all the surface talk, all the machio. Today we're going to get down to it, the real next step each and every one of my students. They were quiet. They sensed something different in the Master's appearance and the Master's movements. Usually they liked the feeling when the Master walked into the classroom and it felt so peaceful. They knew that one way or the other the Master had great compassion for them and the classroom situation would turn into such a time of learning and wisdom, but today it was different. A few of the students wondered, oh, is the Master angry with something? Did he have a bad date last night? (laughs) The Master never has a bad date. (laughs) The Master stood at the front of the classroom … Improvised. The Master stood at the front of the classroom and with his (laughs) 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 – it's laughed – the Master stood at the front of the classroom and with his sternest look, gazed out over the students. Students started to tremble a little bit. Why well, the Master have a hangover today? The Master never gets a hangover, no matter how much he or she drinks. Why? Because there's nothing that would put the Master out of balance. So no, it wasn't that. But the Master had such an intensity about him today, a desire, the Master looked at the classroom almost with a look of disdain and disgust and pointed to the first student and said to them – and Linda finds somebody now to play the first student – looks at them and says, What is missing in your life? What's missing in your life? More tests. More tests. Give me more tests. I want
2: more tests. You want more
1: tests in your life? More tests. You can sit there. You can get out of my classroom. Yeah, yeah, just back there. you can get out of my classroom with answers like that after you've been here in the school for how long now? Two weeks? And and you you just want more tests? Is that why we're here? Is that why you're paying a lot of money to be at my school? Is that why you're taking up a chair that could be given to somebody who really wants to learn, the Master had to look like he was about to spit (laughs) But he didn't (laughs) But he didn't. But he wanted to. And he pointed to the next student. Mofo. said, what's missing, Mofo? What's missing? You've been here for a lot of years now. Yeah. You're in the remedial class. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, What's missing?
0: I'm very distracted. Would you distra- stand up Stand up when you talk to the Master? I'm distracted today, Master. I, Ooh, distracted I have for a, what? I'm very gassy. Did you gassy. wet your pants again? No, I'm very gassy today. And I'm sorry. Gassy. I'm sorry. What
1: did you eat, mofo?
2: <laughs> Everything.
1: Everything. <Yeah. laughs> Everything, mofo? Yeah,
2: the plate, too. Oh, the
1: plate, too. No wonder you have gas. What's missing? Mofo, what's missing in your life? You, you've been coming here to these classes. You've been going out fishing with me, but what's missing? The cheat sheet. A cheat sheet. <laughs> A cheat. What do you want on the cheat sheet?
2: All the answers.
1: All the answers. The cheat sheet. Where is it, Mofo? What?
2: what I think I wrote this it, this on it on my wrist and I washed it off this morning.
1: The cheat sheet, <laughs> he he says. You too can leave the class. You're taking a valuable air, a valuable space. He wants a cheat sheet. Like he doesn't realize the cheat sheet is already within. Yeah, oh, oh, everybody. One, two, three. Oh, oh, oh. Don't you realize the cheat sheet is already within, and it's two simple words, Mofo. Two simple words. What are they?
0: <laughs> would
1: you please st- would you please step outside? <laughs> oh my god. Two simple words. Oof. Oof. Two simple words is the cheat sheet. Two simple words. What are they, Class? I can't even get that right. Allow Allow. and and. Do we need to write that on the board? We don't have a board. Okay. We won't write it. Can you remember? This side of the room. This side of the room. Allow. Allow. This side of the room. And. And. Now, if we put it all together, we have Allow. And. And. That's it. That's the cheat sheet. You stay in the back of the room. You smell kind of bad. Okay. (laughs) Next. And the Master was really getting upset at this point. After all this teaching, after book upon books, after classes, after doing really nice marabs, really kind of sweet marabs, they still weren't getting it. You could imagine the anxiety levels the Master as he pointed to the next student and said, What's missing in your life? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to take some coffee here. What's <laughs> missing in your life? Nothing. Nothing. Well, if nothing is missing in your life, why are you here? Curiosity. Curiosity. You're curious about me? You, too. (laughs) Or you curious about them?
2: And them, too.
1: So you say you're here, there's nothing missing in your life, but you're here. And you're just curious, curious about what? What what, what have you discovered?
2: Okay. uh, Probably my memory is missing.
1: Probably your mind is missing?
2: No, ma- memory, memory, memory.
1: Your memory. That's yes. Mind, memory, same same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably your memory is missing. So you don't remember what you're curious about.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, that I remember.
1: What are you curious about?
2: What I'm curious about. What are you
1: hoping to learn here in our spiritual classroom?
2: No, the first of all, I love energy.
1: You love energy?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, you're an energy feeder. Yes, you're one of yeah, those yeah, people. I am.
2: Oh, oh,
1: <laughs> oh. So let me get this straight now. I'm beginning to understand, said the master. You signed up for the school. Not because there's really anything you want to learn, not because you're on the journey to an embodied enlightenment like all of these hard working, cash-paying students. <laughs> you're here as an energy vampire. To steal their energy, to sit in the classroom and while they're open in the safe space, while they're vulnerable, mm-hmm. you're stealing their energies. Is that true? No. <laughs> it sounded good to me, um, but the master insisted that is true, and and gave her one more chance, and said, "What's missing in your life?"
2: Uh, allowance, of course.
1: Allowance. You want an allowance? Didn't your parents give you an allowance <laughs> when you were growing up? You get a little $5 here, $5 there?
2: Somehow, somehow, I can, uh, I don't know, I have some inner vision of myself being free and being allowing everything. Okay. But somehow I don't feel, I cannot feel uh,
1: it. We're going to freeze frame here. Okay. We're going to stop.
2: Freeze.
1: What's the difference between we're acting out a story here and being in your story? Okay. The difference between acting, just letting it – play acting, just okay. letting it roll, and suddenly you're getting into your story. Yes,
2: I'm Ah, sorry.
1: okay. Get out of your story. Come back okay. out yeah. of your story. Whew! Because you see how easy it is to get stuck in your story, mm-hmm. even when we're just telling stories and having fun? Well, fun for me. Um, so, back to the story, play acting. We're in the classroom with the Master, and the Master says, Theatrically, and what's missing in your life? And you say theatrically, you say back. Mm. Sex.
2: Sex. <laughs> she says, "Good, thank you, that's right, that's thank you."
1: She says, "Sex." She didn't think she said it, but everybody heard it. I heard it. Did you hear it? She said, Ma- "Sex." May, may I
2: replay it? May I replay it? Ask me again. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: What's missing in your life?
2: Sex. Oh! <laughs> and
1: the master says, "When was the last time you had Don't a, good, that. <laughs> a good screaming orgasm?"
2: Ah! <laughs> Don't remember.
1: Oh. oh! oh and the master says, "Would you like one?" Yes. How bad do you want it?
2: Ah! <laughs> <laughs> badly stop that farter!
1: <laughs> how bad w- how how much do you want one a lot a lot so i'm going to suggest this after we're done with class today <laughs> go back to your room lock the door <laughs> take a hot bath <laughs> and for once for once touch yourself Touch yourself like you would want to be touched by the greatest lover on earth. Touch yourself with such love and compassion for your body. Touch yourself like you are the greatest lover, because you are. Mm -hmm. Touch yourself and feel no shame in bringing yourself to that greatest union of body, mind and spirit that a human could possibly experience. Even so much more than any being in all of creation can experience. Because when a human loves themselves, there's no guilt or shame. When a human loves themselves like that, they are emulating, they are mimicking the soul, because in every moment the soul is falling in love with itself. Good. Next and final in this story before we move on to our next story. We're in the classroom, the master still has that look of sour disdain on his face and the master looks to the next student who has the microphone and says what is missing in your life and the student thinks why is the master always picking on me what is missing in your life
2: excited
1: what is missing in i like that that, that was good uh, what is missing in your life
2: um
1: <laughs> Do You want to be the next one? No,
0: I'm not. Actually, they're they're right back there. I see them. No, yeah. th- this is just a they a story.
1: Work. We're just acting. Okay. What is missing in your life? Speak um, up! Speak up! I haven't much time. Class ends in three minutes.
0: Okay. What's I'm, missing in your I'm life? Sorry. Um.
1: Never say you're sorry.
2: Um, they should make a movie, a song. No, a not song.
1: Yourself. Yeah. Um. The master now is getting impatient. What's okay. missing in your life?
2: Maybe ultimate trust and confidence in myself.
1: Trust and confidence in yourself. Where do you find that?
2: What do you mean?
1: Yeah, but I mean how do you get trust and confidence in I, yourself?
2: I, I don't know. I'm asking. Oh, well, oh. you
1: know. Uh, oh, <laughs> eh, 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 eh. <laughs> we have a saying around here, you can say anything you want except yeah. I don't know. So That's with that, please give the microphone back to the lovely lady in front of you and uh, sit, sit in the back with Farter. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> what?! Boy, we just buzzed that out. The Master is really pissed Who did pissed you call now. out? Uh, we're, we're done. Uh, the, oh. master is, the Master is really upset right now. After all of these years of teaching, after all of the, the hours and hours with the students, they say things like, I don't know. Or, I've got gas. <laughs> you, can imagine, you can imagine the Master thinking to himself, sitting up at the front of the room now, three more minutes to go in the class, thinking to himself, maybe I'll stop teaching. Maybe it's just not worth it. Maybe they really don't want it. Because as far as we've come, I don't know if we've come anywhere at all. The Master felt that fleeting moment of just wanting to be off by himself fishing. Yeah, he loved fishing and, and, as you know, the Master could just throw the hook in the water, nothing even on the line, and the fish would start biting right away. Fish would actually try to jump into the boat for the Master, but he wouldn't allow him. He said, let me at least pretend we're having a little fun out here. He'd always throw the fish back in afterwards. And the Master finally said to the students, two minutes left to go in the class, what's missing in your life? is Living. You're not living. You're not living. You're, you're, you're thinking. You're, you're going back in old memories. When was the last time you had sex? It should have, the answer should have been before I came to class this morning. That's living. <laughs> and living is when you say, Master, I had a fine dinner last night. It was amazing, and I feel so good because I am living fully, not that I'm farting today, because that's an indication that you're really not living, that something's out of balance. (laughs) With each and every one of you here in the classroom today, you're forgetting to live. You've kind of put yourself in this energy-neutral, gray, boring space. You've gotten so Immersed into your dull stories. You've forgotten to live. You're afraid to live. You're afraid to have sex to the point of a grand orgasm. You're afraid to eat food. You're afraid to go out and walk in public. You're afraid to have fun. You're trying too hard. That's what's missing in each and every one of your life. I want you to go out this afternoon, whether it's going bowling, going skating, going to shopping and buying yourself something that you would never think of buying yourself. I want you to go to a movie and eat a great big thing of popcorn. Whatever it is, it's time to live. It's time to get off your dead arse and go (laughs) live. And don't come back to this classroom until you are (laughs) living. End of story. The point in the story is It's time to live. It really is. I mean, there's a lot of time spent thinking about living or thinking about enlightenment, but so often it is true you forget to live. You forget to go have a good meal or whatever it happens to be. You're afraid that … you're concerned that it might uh, actually impede your enlightenment. It won't. It will enhance it. For one to really uh, have Realization in this lifetime, you need to immerse fully into life. It almost seems like the opposite of what it should be. You need to immerse into life, into food, into uh, sex, into living, whatever it is. There's almost an aversion that happens, and it's happened with every Ascended Master, uh, especially Buddha. There's an aversion to being in life, to being in the body, uh, to being a living being. It's almost like you feel like you have to back away from life in order to have ascension because, well, you think life can be addictive. Yes, it is. Then dive into your addictions. That life can be, um, it can uh, trap you. Dive into it and you'll realize that it doesn't because running from life is a bigger trap than being in life. Mm. You get to this point in enlightenment, you want to enjoy life. All the things that you've held back on. I'm going to talk about it more in pronos, but we're going someplace very, very different together. And it requires, it demands that you live. You no longer just think about living. It requires that you go beyond your dreams to start actually living your dreams, not just dreaming about them. So with that, our interactive story comes to an end. See how easy it is? You don't even have to know where it's going. Good. Let's take a good deep breath and now come to our third story. Anybody want coffee? Oh, you can go back to your seats, but hold the gas. (laughs) And with this story we'll have a little bit of mood lighting here. Change gears a little bit. Everybody take a good deep breath. Do a story and then we'll kind of slip right into a mirab. The story is already written. The story is in this new book, Memoirs of a Master. It's actually the only story I didn't write. It was written by Caldra, by Jeffrey, uh, at my suggestion and it was called The Park Bench. I gave him the overview of the story, which is in a large part his story, in a large part all of your story, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the story called The Park Bench. There's a lot of symbols, a lot of metaphors in this story. The story opens by finding the Master sitting on the park bench. Kind of like what I'm doing right now. It's early morning. The sun has not even come up over the horizon yet. It's still dark out. You know that beautiful time of the morning? It's so quiet and so still, so peaceful. It's when all the noise of mass consciousness is a little bit lower, a little bit quieter, when most other humans aren't out yet. there's not a lot of traffic. It's a nice time of the morning and, if nothing else, you get to watch the sun come up. That's amazing in itself, that cool early morning moment right before the sun starts breaking over the horizon. That's, that's the Master's time. That's a beautiful Master's time. The master sat on the park bench. He had his coffee, of course, and he had a couple of croissants. It was his quiet time away from the students. He loved the students, loved working with them, but it was taxing and it was draining. There were a lot of frustrations in working with the students because, as much as they really wanted their realization, as much there was something holding them back. There was that human part actually trying to hold them back, so it was exhausting at times, even for the Master. But on this particular morning, now with the sun just coming up over the horizon, the Master knew that it wouldn't be about his students, it wouldn't be about other humans. It would be about his own aspects, his own aspects. He knew it would be a busy morning. because. This park bench is where all of the Master's Aspects knew where to find him. They knew if they weren't able to find him anywhere else in the classroom or even in his dreams at night, they could find him at this park bench. This is kind of like when he opened up, when he made himself available to the Aspects. And this is where the park bench story takes place. And on this particular day, on the park bench story, the Master's darkest aspect – who he just called dark, nothing else – that aspect came in. They didn't speak in words. The, The Master didn't hear dark, you know, as words that were spoken, because actually dark, this really vile aspect you could say, is so advanced, so psychic and so really much a part of the Master, words are not needed. Some of the other what I would call lower aspects or um, less complex aspects, they they would talk to the Master in words, but dark didn't need words. The Master could feel dark coming in because everything got cold, it felt like a vacuum, You could just feel the suction. This dark energy is is like that. And immediately with dark coming in, dark started the abuse of – again, it wasn't language, but it was feelings that were being (laughs) conveyed – dark started saying, you old crazy bastard, here you are sitting on a park bench thinking you're enlightened, thinking that you're teaching others something. That's the way the dark aspects work. They'll degrade you, they'll make you doubt yourself, they'll tear you apart. They know the darkest of you. They know how to push the buttons. They, they know how to degrade you. But the Master just sat there. Master took a drink of his coffee, which felt good. It was a little chilly out this morning, took a drink of the coffee and watched as The glorious rays of the sun started coming up over the horizon. The Master wasn't um, avoiding dark, wasn't just trying to pretend he wasn't there, but the Master never let this dark, dark aspect of himself bother him. He was the Master. He was the observer of all these stories that were going on, still going on, even though he was the Master. Dark continued the abusive behavior, saying, you just tell yourself you're enlightened, but you're really not. You tell yourself you're better than others, but you're actually worse. Dark said, I know your history. I know all of the things that you've done wrong. I know all your dirty little secrets. I know and if I would tell others what I know, they would never, ever go to your school, listen to your words, because you're just a despicable human. And all of this Master, all this enlightenment stuff is one huge cover-up for the lie that you are. Perhaps a few of you have even heard those words from time to time. But the Master, the Master just took a deep breath, had another bite of his Croissant, another drink of his coffee, didn't let it phase him one bit. He listened. He felt that he knew dark was there, but he didn't let it phase him one bit. In the story, dark goes on and on. And in the story, the master was watching the joggers come by, and at some point, a dog comes up with a ball, and the master is completely engaged with everything else and still hearing and seeing dark. The real point of this story is, a very important point, is that we have the Master here and the human – putting it in human terms – would say, well, if the Master is enlightened, why are all these aspects there? If the Master is so enlightened, wouldn't there no longer be any dark? Wouldn't everything be healed? And the answer is absolutely not. This is the and, and this is where each and every one of you are at. You're the Master, sitting on the park bench, enjoying a cup of coffee, watching the sun come up, having something to eat, enjoying the little dog, everything. You're feeling in total what you would call peace, but total freedom. You're the free Self. And there's still that human self. We're not trying to negate it. We're not trying to eliminate it. We're not trying to overcome the human or the darkness or any of the other aspects. We're the And. The Master sits there, hears them, feels them. The Master sits there because he knows that every aspect, dark and light, Big and small, they know where to find them. They come there simply to be in the Master's light. Even dark comes there. Dark is a a tormented part, you could say, from another lifetime. It doesn't matter. It's all in the now right now. Dark is a real part of the Master and of you, as is light, as is the child aspect as is the religious and spiritual aspect, as is in every aspect. They're all part of you. They're all part of this beautiful story. The realization is that you are the Master sitting on the park bench and the human and the dark and the fearful and the happy and the creative and the bored, and when you allow yourself to simply sit here as the Master, as the observer of all these aspects, of all this motion and commotion, of all these parts of the story, trying to find themselves, when you can sit here in this and moment, I Am, and I Am the Master not trying to get rid of any of the aspects, any of the past or future lives, not trying to reach some peak of enlightenment, simply to be here as the Master also. That's when you can take a deep breath and celebrate yourself. That's when you come to the realization, I Am and I Am. You're the Master. You just haven't allowed yourself to sit here and be that. Yes, my dear friends, as much as the master in the book is the master, as much as I am a master, there are still, there are still the past and the future aspects. They're still there. They're not really stuck anymore, but they're still there. The master doesn't let that phase them. The master doesn't use that to say, well, then I'm not a Master if they're still there. The true Master says, I Am and I Am. And that's the beauty of the story of the Master in the Park Bench. That ties back into what we talked about at the very beginning of our session today. Time starts to dissolve away, and you sit here as the Master in your own life just observing, not trying to change any of the aspects you sit here. That in itself has a profound effect on every one of those aspects, whether they're from a past life or a future life. That suddenly puts them as the Master sitting on their park bench in their lifetime in that story. Suddenly, it's not just you alone sitting on your park bench as the Master, but suddenly every past and every future lifetime becomes the Master also. Then everything changes. As Tobias said a long time ago, the future is the past healed. I'll say it a little bit different, that every lifetime Realizes the master from this lifetime. It's conveyed it out, it's radiated out to every lifetime, and those lifetimes that are stuck in their patterns, that are stuck in their time suddenly start transforming. So let's do that right now. Sit on our park bench, here in this beautiful holiday season. The Crimson Circle Connection Center, let's take a deep breath and let yourself be the Master now, sitting on your park bench on a glorious day. And yes, some of those aspects are going to come around. They come around when you're kind of quiet like this, whether it's a dark aspect or a light. They come around, and as the Master you just observe them. You're just aware. You don't try to counsel or heal them. They're in their stories. They're doing their things. Some of them are going to scream at you. Some of them are going to try to suck up to you. Some of them are going to be very timid about being in your presence. Others are going to want to sit in that seat next to you for hours, not nay, for days at a time. Some will come asking for the answers. What's the answer, Master? Some are going to want a magic elixir, something to transform them into a superhuman being with all the answers and all the power. That's when you just sit on that park bench, I Am That I Am. actually allowing all those aspects, all those past and future selves. You don't have to fight with them. You don't have to try to heal them. You realize, ah, these are just parts of my story. These are just parts of me, but I am and I am. There's no need to try to change them or fix them, much less fixing yourself. No need at all. You're the Master on the park bench. You might have an aspect that comes along and starts talking about goals and planning. Another aspect that comes along and sits on the park bench that Talks to you about its spiritual search. Another aspect that comes along, and it's not like a ghosty aspect, it keeps replaying stories of being a victim, of being tormented physically, mentally. You don't try to change it at all. It's where you take a deep breath and Realize that you're the master, you are the I am. All of these are just stories in a book. A myriad of stories. You don't have to change them. Actually, the truth is. Every one of those stories, every one of those stuck, wounded or even happy, carefree stories, they're going to change themselves. They're going to rewrite their story. They were just waiting for the Master to come along, the Master who was so covered up so lost in the noise, they were just waiting for that Master to sit upon the park bench. And now you're here. Don't let all those voices fool you. Don't let those voices tell you that you still have a ways to go. Those are just aspects. You're the Master. On the park bench. You're just observing all of these stories floating in and out. They just were waiting for the Master. And as I like to say, when the Master appears, stories start changing. When the Master appears finally, all the stories realize that they can change into whatever they want. So, let's just sit here. Let's just sit here for a moment. I want you to feel what it's like to be the Master. Yes, you may hear voices. Voices may be covering up the knowingness, the mastery. You may feel this aspect of doubt even come around, try to sit on the park bench. You might feel dark come around. That's okay. Just sit here on the park bench, as the Master. I'm sorry that it's been so difficult at times, such a struggle. I'm sorry that You've had to endure some of the deep, deep challenges that comes, I guess, with the territory of coming into embodied enlightenment, comes with being amongst the first, being pioneers. I know it's been difficult at times. I see who you truly are even when you don't see it in yourselves. I see the Master that's already sitting in there, even though you think you're trying to get to be a Master. I see how brutally hard the stories are at times, brutally hard. But I also see how no story is ever locked in itself. I see how You're setting all those stories free, all those difficulties and challenges. I see how you're allowing. Let's take a deep breath together here on the park bench. The Master. Just enjoying life. The Master. Even allowing the aspects from the past and the future to come by. Let's take a good deep breath together. And with that, a Merry Christmas to all. And to all is well in all of creation. Thank you, dear Shambhok. My pleasure.
0: So, with that, I invite each of us to take a good deep breath. And each of us have had our own experience with this, with Adamus' last story. I invite you, before we get up and just go off and celebrate, just breathe that in a moment more. What did it mean to you? What did you feel? So take the good deep breath and feel into that. For each of us, in our own way, take the good deep breath, please, and celebrate life. Celebrate life. So, with that, thank you for being here with us for the Crimson Circle monthly meeting. The shout: We'll be back here again the first Saturday of Jan- of January. Hope to see you then. Whether it's blog talk, radio, whether your Crimson Circle website. Lots of information at crimsoncircle.com. Thank you. Happy holidays. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you, Jeffrey Hoppy, for channeling Adamas. Thank you all. Woo! Thank you all. Thank you.